Have you ever come home from a long day just to find out that that meat you needed for your recipe has totally slipped your mind the last time you went to the grocery store? Well, with the help of ButcherBox, you might never have to deal with that problem ever again. With ButcherBox, you get the convenience of having high-quality meat and seafood delivered straight to your door. Not to mention the peace of mind you get to feel knowing that it's 100% grass-fed, free-range, and crate-free. All humanely raised with no antibiotics or added hormones. Let ButcherBox help make your life even easier. No grocery store required. In addition to free shipping on every order, you get to curate your box plans, have access to member-exclusive deals, get recipe ideas and inspiration, as well as helpful tips. You really can't go wrong with ButcherBox. Sign up for ButcherBox today by going to butcherbox.com morningcup and use the code morningcup at checkout and enjoy your choice of bone-in chicken thighs, top sirloins, or salmon in every box for an entire year. Plus, get $20 off. Again, that's butcherbox.com slash morningcup and use the code morningcup. Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cop of murder. One chance encounter can end up changing someone's life. And not always for the better. On January 13, 1966, a man was born who would take these chance encounters and use them to his benefit without any regard for human life. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Stephen Christopher Stanko was born on January 13, 1968 on the Guantanamo Bay Naval Base in Cuba, where his father was an officer with the United States Navy. Entering a family that would eventually have three boys and two girls, Stephen found himself in constant competition with his older brother for their father's admiration. He excelled in high school, both athletically and academically, was described as brilliant by his teachers, and was looked at as a young man with an incredibly bright future ahead. Unfortunately, tragedy struck the family and caused a rift between Stephen and his beloved father. When he was just 15 years old, Stephen's older brother, Billy, died in a mysterious house fire. Devastated by the loss, his father began disengaging from the family, and Stephen, still desperate for his father's attention and approval, did whatever he could to try and earn his father's love. Nothing seemed to work. Not even his plans to join the U.S. Air Force Academy to follow in his father's military footsteps. That, too, came to a crashing halt when the Academy rejected his application. Upon further digging, it was later found that the reason for the denial was Stephen's compulsive lying and his history of preying upon vulnerable women. It seemed he wasn't exactly the golden boy he wanted everyone to believe he was. Completely crushed by the rejection, Stephen's desperate search for his father's approval stopped and a life of petty crime began. In 1992, Stephen met a woman named Liz McClendon. 
telling the woman that he was attending art school and owned a mansion. The completely broke man who couldn't seem to hold on to a job would put on a suit every single day and leave the house for up to 10 hours to make it seem like he was out earning a living. Instead, he was taking money and jewelry from Liz, who, upon discovery, confronted the man who was taking blank checks from her purse. He responded by wrapping his hands around her neck and squeezing with his full strength. Eventually releasing her, Liz called the police who, not immune to his charm, believed Stephen's version of the events and told Liz, the victim, to leave her own house. The couple broke up and Stephen moved to Atlanta, Georgia, where he found a single mother whom he lured into his life while still calling Liz constantly and trying to reignite their relationship. Unwilling to let her go, despite his new relationship, in September of 1995, Stephen showed up at Liz's South Carolina home and she, believing his promises and lies, allowed him back into her life. After starting their relationship back up, Stephen got a job at a car dealership, but by February of 1996, he was fired from the job. That same month, he was questioned by the police about a used car business that he was running on the side and allegations of Grand Theft Auto. Liz, immediately suspicious, told him to go sleep on the couch, and he responded by throwing a box of tissues at her. She threw them back, and he slammed her onto the ground. She managed to dial 911, but before she could report the incident to the police, Stephen hung up the phone. Liz, trying to get some sleep, then woke to the strong smell of ammonia. When she opened her eyes, she found Stephen standing there with a cloth over her mouth. He said, quote, We can't have you calling the police now, can we? And eventually, moved the cloth from her mouth before gagging her, tying her up, and leaving her on the toilet helpless while he took off in a stolen GMC Jimmy. Driving about 200 miles into the Blue Ridge Mountains, Stephen stopped in South Carolina, rented a room, and called Liz to tell her that he spent the night soul-searching and was now suicidal. Getting the police involved, they managed to track down the calls to a day's end where, after warning the motel staff, they managed to arrest Stephen Stanko without any incident. He pleaded guilty to charges of kidnapping and aggravated assault and was sentenced to 10 years in prison. Serving from 1996 to 2004, during which time he was diagnosed with borderline narcissistic personality disorder, Stephen kept meticulous notes of all that he dealt with while in prison. And in the end, he had about a 2,000-page manuscript. Released after eight and a half years behind bars, he co-authored and released the book Living in Prison, a history of the correctional system with an insider's view and moved to Myrtle Beach where he rented a room from a widow. With his parole officer making sure he was honest with his landlady about his background, to which he was, Stephen began living under her roof and, other than a few late rent payments, he managed to stay out of trouble. Though he often complained about his lack of job prospects due to his incarceration, he did seem to manage a few, albeit brief, employments. After about a year, he abruptly moved into a friend's home in exchange for keeping an eye on her elderly mother. A kind gesture, it seemed like Stephen just might get his life back on track. However, shortly after this move, Stephen Stanko would prove that outward appearances could be deceiving, 
and that he was in no way a reformed man. On April 1st, 2005, 43-year-old Laura Ling, a research librarian at the Sacasti Library, was at her job when she was visited by her new boyfriend, Stephen. Having just been fired from yet another job, he was working as a salesperson, but made no sales. Tension rose to an all-time high when Laura, realizing she could not support herself, her children, and her boyfriend with her salary, grew frustrated by Stephen's continual release from his various jobs. A few days later, on April 7th, Laura and Stephen got into a heated argument, and before long, the fight turned physical when somehow his cigarette dislodged from his mouth and got stuck between his glasses and his face. Burning his cheeks, a furious Stephen started punching Laura, grabbed a necktie, threw her onto the bed, and bound her wrists behind her back. Around this time, with the clock reading about 12.30 a.m., Christina Ling, Laura's daughter, woke to her mother's boyfriend holding a knife and trying to bind her hands as well. She fled the room, and as she did, she saw her mother lying there bound and gagged, writhing and kicking against the headboard to try and free herself. That's when the young girl was suddenly knocked unconscious. When she woke, she saw that her mother had been ruthlessly beaten, and turning his attention back to Christina, Stephen straddled her and held the knife to her throat. Threatening to kill them both if either of them made a noise, he raped the young girl before going back to her mother and continuing her beating. While he strangled Laura Ling to death, he looked at Christina and said, See what you did? I really loved her. After watching her mother's murder, Stephen slit Christina's throat and left her there while he took his time showering, searching the house for all money and credit cards, stripped Laura of a gold bracelet, and jumped into her Mustang and sped off. While he stopped at Laura's bank and pulled all of the money out of her account, caught on surveillance tape as he did so, Christina, realizing the coast was finally clear, got up and dialed 911. She told the operator that she had been raped and that her mother was now dead. They stayed on the line until the EMS arrived around 16 minutes later and described exactly what her attacker looked like. She was then rushed to the hospital for life-saving treatment and somehow managed to survive her horrific interaction with Steven Stanko. While doctors conducted a rape kit to get DNA evidence, Steven, now in Conway, South Carolina, showed up at the home of his friend, Henry Turner, on April 8th. Henry, a 74-year-old grandfather and Air Force retiree, had attended a class taught by Laura Ling at the library to try and learn how to better operate a computer. And when Stephen called him about 30 minutes before his arrival, giving a sob story about his father's recent death, the elderly man kindly invited him over to talk. He had no clue that Stephen, a murderer, was looking to line his pockets, and after chatting for a while, he asked to borrow Henry's truck so he could go pick up some breakfast. While he did so, Henry called his girlfriend and told her that he was helping out a friend and that he would see her later. Returning at around 6.30 a.m., Henry went to shave for the day while Stephen, seizing the opportunity, began ransacking the house. Finding a gun hidden in the man's belongings, he grabbed a pillow off the bed and, using it as a makeshift silencer, pressed the gun to his friend's back and pulled the trigger. With another shot to the chest, Henry Turner was lying dead on the floor and Stephen, 
free to do as he pleased, took whatever he wanted from the home. Pocketing another gun and some cash, Stephen left in Henry's truck, completely unaware that he, in leaving Christina Ling alive, had triggered a massive manhunt with officers who were desperate to put an end to his deadly deeds. While police from all over looked for Stephen Stanko, on April 9th, 2005, he was at a local oyster bar in Augusta, Georgia, when he locked eyes with 30-year-old Dana Putnam. Telling her that he was a businessman from out of town named Stephen Christopher, the pair drank, danced, and talked the night away. Realizing that he was too drunk to drive, Dana offered him her couch to sleep, and for reasons unknown, when she retired into her own room that night, she thankfully decided to lock the door behind her. The next morning, Stephen came with Dana and her parents to church, and following the services, he took her out to a nice restaurant and gifted her with a gold bracelet, the same one he took from Laura Ling's body. Excited about the new man in her life, Dana called her grandmother and excitedly told her all about Stephen and how she saw a real future with him. A few days later, however, she got a call from her mother, telling her to look at page 5B in the local newspaper. When she saw the picture of the man who killed two people and raped a young girl staring back at her, her mother said over the line, I believe that's your Stephen Christopher. She immediately drove to the local sheriff's department and told them everything she knew about the man she spent the last few days with. And agreeing to the wiretapping of her phone, within hours she got a call from Stephen that police were able to triangulate. Leading them to the local mall, they quickly rushed over and found Henry Turner's stolen truck parked in the parking lot. With no doubts that they had their man, when Stephen Stanko exited the mall, he was surrounded by federal and local authorities. Searching the truck, they found a 357 Magnum, bullets, and Henry's checkbook. And ballistics later confirmed that the found weapon was the same one used to kill the elderly man. After a nationwide manhunt, a $10,000 reward, and many tips, police finally had Stephen Stanko in custody on April 12, 2005, where he was unable to hurt anyone else in his quest for freedom. After trials where the insanity defense was used and failed, Stephen was, in 2006, sentenced to death for the murder of Laura Ling. Before the 2009 trial for the murder of Henry Lee Turner, Stephen and his lawyers attempted to appeal his recent sentence and appeared before the South Carolina Supreme Court, pointing out errors in the original trial that, they claimed, unfairly led to his conviction. Saying the judge erred when he refused to allow the defense to ask potential jurors how they felt about the insanity plea, as well as not allowing the presentation of Stephen's age slash mentality as aggravating or mitigating factors, his death sentence and conviction were both affirmed and the appeal was denied. Then in 2009, he was brought to trial for Henry Turner's case, where once again, an insanity defense was used and failed. He received a second death sentence with a psychiatrist testifying that Stephen Stanko was, in their opinion, a psychopath. He tried to appeal this sentence as well, but was again denied, and his sentence was again affirmed in May of 2016, after arguments were raised that he suffered from a brain defect and could not be held responsible for his actions. He lost his last appeal in 2021, and as of this moment, remains on death row awaiting his execution. 
Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to a terrible thing happened on January 14th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there is always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's knix.com.